Ogumbawale for the win. Hello and happy Wednesday from Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Gabe Ibrahim alongside Amy Audibert. Crucially, we are not Lindsey Gibbs, who's usually here hosting this show on a Wednesday. She had to deal with an emergency, so she is uh, she's not going to do the show. Obviously, we're filling in for her. Uh, we hope everything's going great for Lindsay, um, and we're confident that she'll be back next week to give you guys all the great stuff that she always brings to the table. But this week, it's us. We're your normal Monday crew. I'm a reporter for uh, Her Hoop Stats and Winsider. Uh, I yell about a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, and I'm alongside Amy Audibert, a former Miami Hurricane Center, and our resident Jim Rat, and our resident basketball commentator. And and today, Amy, you you got to settle into a nice post position. Get down there, get 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 deep, get near the basket, because uh, the ball's come to you today. Oh boy! <laughs> yes, come on. Well, that's fine, but just make sure you relocate or cut or something. No. Don't, I, I'm going to make you know, just stand there, game. Come on. In, in this analogy, I'm actually a good three-point shooter, so I they won't be able to dig too deep on you. So I'll be relocating. I'll be I'll be getting you the ball where you need it. Uh, we do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So what we we're talking about today um, in, in our in our uh, makeup in our emergency show um, is about the rookies in this league. We're going to break down who we believe are the four top rookies in the Rookie of the Year race, Crystal Dangerfield, Kennedy Carter, Satsu Sable, and Julie Alamond. All four rookies playing amazing basketball, all in different ways. We don't want to diminish what all the rest of the rookies are doing because there are a lot of great players that are just starting out their careers in this league and deserve a lot of plaudits. These are just the four we picked. And then we're going to get into the race for the eight seed, which a lot of these players are a part of. So they may be getting some playoff experience. But let's start with Crystal Dangerfield. Now I'll lay out her stats. She is averaging 15.9 points per game, which let's stop there. For a second round pick, that's insane to come in and average 16 points a game. She's also uh, dishing out 3.1 assists per game, 1.9 rebounds. Uh, she has almost a steal per game. Her true shooting's at 59.1%. She is playing tremendous basketball for a very good team in the Minnesota Lynx. Um, how she fell to the second round is always going to be something that we're going to be talking about in the future. And I think for me, the thing uh, about Crystal was when she was coming out of Connecticut, the thing I said about her was she's got a little bit of it. And I think when you when you look at small guards, she's five five. Small guards across basketball have to have this sort of spunkiness, that this this dog like mentality to get things done, along with blinding speed. And she has both those things. So, Amy, what do you see from her game that's just been so impressive this year? Well, you mentioned the stats, right? But it's you know she obviously she averages twenty nine minutes per game. She at the point guard position, she's running the show. And I think we can talk about the stats, and they are fantastic and they're rock solid. But then there's those intangibles at the point guard position to have to come in and step in right away and be a leader and run a team. And it's something if you're doing that, your team's kind of in that, you know, in a lower seed. But Minnesota 
has clinched the playoffs. Like she has led this team in some ways, literally with the ball in her hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am just so impressed with the poise, right? Not just the ability as a basketball player, but the maturity to come in and do that. When we talk about pressure, I mean, Cheryl Reeve is a legend. Yeah. You come in and you've got to run the point guard position where I'm really curious right now if I'm a Lynx nation or one of their fans is how Dangerfield is going to grow alongside Odyssey Sims. Odyssey's had seven mm-hmm. games back now. I mean, that backcourt, oh my gosh, the speed yeah. in that backcourt is ridiculous. So you'd you'd hope if you're part of this Lynx contingency that they continue to to click and find ways to completely dominate games at the perfect timing for them, right? They know they're getting to the postseason. Now it's about seeding. But uh, Crystal Dangerfield has she's been so confident too. She's, she's leading the team in field goal attempts, 101, yeah. 191 attempts. She's leading the team in three point attempts. She's taken 84 threes this season. Number two, Dantas has yeah. taken 59. So she's taken a lot more threes than anybody yeah. else on this team, but she's been given the green light. She understands that, Hey, for my team to be successful this year, I'm going to have to step up. And also, you already mentioned that slipping in that second round. Every single team passed on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you want to talk about motivation, you know you're going to have opportunity. You know you're starting at the point guard. You're averaging 29 minutes a game. So unless, you know, you get into foul trouble or something goes wrong, you're going to be on the court. So I'm just really impressed with her mental game just as yeah. much as the physical. I totally agree. I, I think she's been um... – just stunningly confident. And then late game situations, you know, even in the, I believe in like the first game she played, she had a huge clutch bucket for this team. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times rookies get on bad teams because that's what happens when you're, when you're a really good, highly rated college player, you get picked up top of the draft, you're on a bad team, which means you're not necessarily playing in a lot of those big moments. The expectations are a little different for Crystal Dangerfield. Since she did fall to that second round, she's playing in very important basketball this season and will continue to. Now, now, my concern... Oh, go ahead, Amy. I was just going to add one thing on that. Going back to, to the confidence, averaging 25 points against Los Angeles in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. If there's one game, if you're a Lynx member that you're going to step up and, and really try to show out, it's against the Sparks. So mm-hmm. she is also dominated against their number one rivalry. So we just talked about being embraced by a community as well. I just wanted to add that because... You know, as a rookie, your first year in the league, you come into some of these rivalries. Maybe you're not quite, I don't want to say ready, but just accustomed to how it's going to go. Oh, no, no, no. She she dominated those games. Yep. Yep. No, I I totally agree with that. Now, my concern with Crystal Dangerfield, and this is not, this is not like groundbreaking. This is the concern that probably dropped her down to the second round in the draft. Um, Defensively, she has not been great. Uh, She's five, she's five foot five. Like, it's not going to, she has a lot of tricks up her sleeve to help her on that end, but against, you know, guards like Chelsea Gray, you know, there, there's a ton of guards in this league who can take advantage of a size mismatch. She's giving up uh, 0.906 points per possession, according to Synergy, which on defense puts her in the 43rd percentile. Um, and she, you know, she's playing hard defensively. She's doing really good things defensively, but my question to you is, can she stay strong defensively enough to be, you know, if she's going to be, if she's going to be in this rookie of the year conversation in the all-star conversation going forward. 
of course. I mean, this okay. is my thing. I think defensively, um, you don't get worse as a rookie. I think you get better learning, mm-hmm. right, th- through your advantages because, yes, she's undersized and she's smaller. Maybe that means doing a lot mm-hmm. more early work, right, than she's ever had yep. to do. Uh, beating everybody with their feet, getting position. But then I think the o- the onus also goes to her teammates and to the coaching staff to put together game plans that can keep her out of situations like that as well. Uh, I just, I, I understand what you're saying and it is a real thing, but at the same time, uh, that doesn't diminish the way I think about the way things are going from a stage or field. Yeah. And like you, and like you mentioned, she has Cheryl Rivas coach. So yeah. guess what? That's gonna, that's gonna be pretty good for her defensive development as one of the best defensive coaches in basketball uh, across college pros, anywhere you're going to find uh, Cheryl Reeve can help her defensively. Okay. We're going to, we're going to talk about um, the other rookies that I mentioned at the top of the show. Kennedy Carter will kick off the next segment, but we do want to mention that um, this show is a daily show and we're not the people hosting every day. As we mentioned at the top, Lindsay Gibbs is usually hosting your Wednesday show, but you should be subscribed to us on whatever podcast app you have because on Mondays, it's me and Amy. On Tuesdays, it's Eric Ayala bringing you Ehler, a social justice episode, or the Wubble Tea, where she's giving you sound bites, collecting a lot of uh, information for you to know what's happening in this league. Uh, on Thursdays, she'll be doing the other show that she doesn't do on Tuesdays. So this week, tomorrow, she'll be doing her social justice episodes, which are wildly important, especially right now in the WNBA. And then on Friday, Howard Magdell will be bringing you the Friday conversation. This week, it's Angel McCautry, so you'll really want to be tuned in. So just make sure you're subscribed to us on whatever podcast app you have. Leave us a rating and review, and we'll talk about the rest of these rookies in just a second. With the ever-increasing makes, Fiat's, Kia's, Tesla's, Model's, Pacifica's, XT5's, I'm not even sure what model my car is right now. It is now possible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. It's why endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questions. Is your car an Odyssey LX or EX? What the hell does that even mean? And wait while a counterman merely orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have the technology to access rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Attack the problem with technology. It's what I always say. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control models to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oils, even to new carpets. And whether you're it's for your classic or your daily driver, if you have two cars, good for you. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Welcome back to Locked On Women's Basketball. If you want to get in touch with the show, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. If you want to get in touch with me, you can follow me at uh, Gabe underscore Ibrahim. If you want to follow Amy, hit her up at Amy Audibert on Twitter and, and the gram. Can the people hit you up on the gram? Oh yeah. The gram's my favorite. Oh, we have a, we have a, we have a, a modern, a modern person who's on the gram. I still, I'm on Twitter 
and uh, Reddit. So that's my thing. But, but you, you can't like find to me yell on Reddit. At people. I just like I to, you know, like pictures and spread love and you're, you're the yeller. <laughs> I'm I, just kidding. I, uh, I do enjoy all of the Bachelor content on Instagram, though. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. If you ever look at a Bachelor, like the Bachelor scrolls, like I do like all of those because I find it interesting. Um, that's, a, that's a sport that me and my, and my fiance really enjoy together. Uh, all right, let's get, let's get into Kennedy Carter, uh, the Atlanta Dreams, fourth overall pick from this draft. Um, she is a phenom. Uh, she got she is- hurt in... She got Hollywood. Hurt this year. Hollywood, right? Like she has such a force of personality. She did get hurt this season, which to me um, kind of takes her out a little bit of the um, rookie of the year conversation just because you need to stay on the court. But in 25 minutes a game, she's putting up 17 points. Um, she's dishing out three and a half assists. She has more assists to turnovers. She's again, 0.9 steals a game, just, a dynamite player, so much athleticism, so much skill, so much fire, so much Hollywood, right? Like, what is it about Kennedy that's just so magnetic for basketball fans? Well, she checks all those boxes, right? She's obviously a phenomenal talent on the court, but she is like instant swag. And you've got to be able to back that up. And she does, right? Even even yesterday, I read... Um, some quotes from her just talking about getting into the league and understanding how much harder she has to work. So staying extra or diving in extra. Um, it, it's crazy that not that she didn't work hard before, obviously, but she was yeah. just doing all like continuing to have a goal to, to get better and get better. Uh, I think that's the other thing that's going to, we're going to be talking about Hollywood for a long time. Uh, I, I feel, I feel bad for Atlanta because I think she missed six games Right now they're at four and thirteen. Would they have won at least maybe three of those games with Kennedy Carter? I do believe they would have. Then they're already like pretty much almost in that seventh or eighth spot as opposed to eleven. And, and so that was a really tough injury for them. However, you look at who they have left. Kennedy looks pretty good, right? A very quiet twenty-two yesterday. It's yeah, I mean, casual, kind of rookie says 22. that a quiet a casual twenty-two. But she's, she's just a tremendous basketball player. And where I think Kennedy is really going to benefit is being surrounded by Courtney Williams, Shakina mm-hmm. Strickland, you know, Elizabeth Williams down low, Mo Billings. Like they've got some players. I have a really hard time looking at Atlanta and seeing a 4 and 13 record. Uh, yeah. But I think Kennedy Carter, they are very, they are going to build around her. Um, that oh, yeah. makes think about that and so I think while they would probably like their record to be a little bit better right now they've got to be pretty confident um, that they're just going to continue to make steps forward and whether they're able to make a crazy push here and clinch or just momentum going into next season uh, they're they're going to build around Kennedy Carter she's just a fantastic talent I mean she's just she's been around excellence on the court for a long time I mean she comes in with that expectation right Mm-hmm. At Texas A&M, three-time All-American, three-time All-SEC first team. I mean, she scored just under 2,000 points in three seasons at college. And her numbers, you know, they didn't – they're not that much off getting into yep. the WNBA. And then I think that's so incredible. Her junior year in college, she averaged 21-4. and four. Right now she's at just under 17, like you said. 
So, I mean, just, I'm just so impressed with her. And she's so fun to watch. When when Lil Wayne was tweeting at her during the draft, I was like pumped up. That's what I mean by like instant swag. She injects an instant attitude into a lineup because she backs it up when she's on the court. Yeah. And and the scary part to me, I think to all the teams in this league is like, she's still so raw. Like, I think when you watch, when we got to see a little bit of Sabrina and Eskew, earlier this season like you saw a refinement you saw a player who like is like like figuring out like obviously i'm not like sabrina has a, a tremendous ceiling that she's still getting to but i'm saying kennedy's not to me is not even at the point where we're scratching the surface of exactly the player that she will be in the future if she stays healthy i just think she has so much refinement uh left in the game because really at this point like she's going all off like raw talent and and just athleticism and just I'm getting to the basket or I'm pulling up on you or I'm dancing on like she has such a long way to go in her game and that to me is, is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, right. For for eleven other teams, but and you yeah. have to a huge credit to Nikki Collin and her staff huge. for a couple yes. reasons. Number one, they're allowing her to go out there and pray play freely they want her to do it because once she gets that confidence then you know if you want to kind of tight I don't want to say tighten things up but like run specifically here there do whatever you want to do but she she has confidence I mean that's to me the most important thing for a basketball player and the other thing I would credit that staff and that program to is again at four and 13 with obviously a lot more higher of an expectation coming into this season there, how many times have you seen Kennedy Carter on the bench or on the court dancing or, you know, not, not, not disrespectfully, but playing loose and playing comfortable and feeling like she's, she looks at least like she feels like she's in a good home, if that makes sense. Um, and, and creating that type of culture is the foundation to winning in term in long terms. Right. Yeah, you could have great players that are disgruntled and, and and have a pretty good season or win one good season. But when you want to build and you want to create a culture, you've got to feel good about it. I agree. No, to, I, I'm I'm excited because I love I love seeing her dance. I love seeing her be. She's just like a leader already. Yeah. Um, and we could talk about Kennedy all day. And we, in the future, we may be doing a whole podcast on Kennedy yeah. Carter because we both love her so much. Uh, but let's flip it over to the Dallas Wings. One of the many Dallas Wings rookies, Satu Sable from Oregon. She was the second overall pick in this year's draft. I just looked at her birthday, and it's really depressing because so my she, her birthday's April twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight. My birthday's April nineteenth, nineteen ninety three. So she's five years younger than me, um, and she's already like doing so much more, not only in basketball terms, um, <laughs> but also like off the court with their social justice initiatives, being the young representative on the social justice council. If you want to hear more about that uh, last week, Eric Ayala did a show with Dorothy Gentry on uh, exactly what the Dallas Wings rookie is doing off the court on the court. Um, she's also missed some time like Kennedy, but she's putting up 12.8 points per game, 7.8 rebounds a game, 2.4 assists, doing a little bit of everything has 1.1 blocks per game, which to me is very impressive because I didn't see that um, necessarily being a huge part of her game coming out of college. But for Satu, um, what's the thing that's been most impressive to you? I think the consistency when she's been mm-hmm. available, right? Um, you can, you'll hear bigs talk about it all the time the biggest the hardest part jumping from 
from college to professional basketball, especially at that four or five position is the size and physicality. Mm-hmm. So when you're inserted, you're, you're playing right away into a lineup and then you have to be productive against that size and physicality. And when she's down there in the paint, like think about it, she's going up against if they're healthy, the Sylvia Fowles mm-hmm. the grinders, Asia Wilson, the biggest names in the women's game. And you know, it was interesting. Everyone said the first nine games before she got hurt, um, she hurt her back a little bit. So she missed four games, but those first nine, she was, she was averaging 11 and seven and everyone yeah. said, Oh, she's such, up to such a, a strong start. Well, now, since she's been back, her season averages are even more. You already mentioned, I always round yeah. up. So 13 and eight, <laughs> right. Um, like she's continuing within a short amount of time to, to get better and you already mentioned she's the youngest member on the social justice council. I mean, she's doing things. Maybe she'll probably tell you more important than just showing up and putting a ball through a hoop. She's mm-hmm. doing a lot in a wobble in this totally different type of environment and continuing to increase in her numbers production. Right. So I'm, I'm really impressed with what she's been able to do, not just on the court, but also upstairs, I always say above the shoulders, right? That's, that's yep. a lot for a young woman to take on. And don't forget the pressure of understanding that she has to continue to put up big games now as Dallas is in that, in that eight spot right now, yep. but things can change. So there's going to be a lot of pressure. I think one big advantage for Satu though, we cannot forget, she knows how to play with a polarizing basketball player that can score, right? right? She played three years at Oregon with Sabrina Ionescu. Now she's with Arige. She understands when you let, the, you know, like when it's going to yes. be your time and when it's not. But when it is your time, in order to compete for championships, when it is your time, you've got to produce. And, and yep. so I think that's kind of, you can't measure it, but there's got to be something to say about understanding how to play with that type of player. I totally agree. Um, quickly, what is her best position? So she's played mostly um, the four, even sometimes a three this year. Um, now, lately, because of Isabel Har- uh, Harrison's injury, and we hope she's getting better, um, that she's kind of playing center. And she played center against Las, Las uh, Vegas. I loved that because she was pick and popping with Enrique. It opened up all of Dallas's offense if she can continue being that sort of rim protector and get a little bit stronger in her career, that's where I see her. But I want to know what you think of what her best position is. Yeah. I, I, if Dallas wants to play small, yes, she's great at the five, but if they do happen to get a beast inside at some point, I do like her at the four because you you mentioned the pick and pop. I think she has the ability to stretch the floor. Now we were were kind of talking off air a little that right now she's only shooting 18% from three. And I think, and I, I am a believer that now if, if you're going to play a full, a four in the professional league, unless you're Asia Wilson, it's got to be a stretch four, right? Like you want to yeah. be able to get out there and, and be a threat long. But uh, the way the game is also going, unless you do have one of those ridiculous six, five, you know, stay inside the paint mm-hmm. players. Um, even when you are big, you have to show that ability. I still like you're at the four. But I'm old school, and old school's a good school. I don't care what you say. And don't forget, you know, the the recipient of the Cheryl Miller Award last year, right? To yes. the nation's top small forward. So that's a position that she she just continues to thrive in. 
abolish positions starting with Satu Sable. She plays whatever she needs yes. to on the court. Although I do yeah. want to see her get some more minutes with Bella Allery, another rookie who we just don't have enough time to mention. Speaking of, uh, we are going to get into our last segment here to talk about Julia Aleman and then kind of recap where a lot of these teams sit. Obviously, we're not going to talk about Crystal Dangerfield and the Minnesota Lynx because they clinched a playoff spot, so we don't have to worry about them. But uh, we'll be back with the rest of the episode in just a second. All right, we're going to wrap up our discussion here about the rookies, about the uh, ace seed. We'll we'll get into that in just a second. Um, Julie Aleman has been in the rookie of the year race all season. Um, Her play has been eye-opening to some not to me because I watch a lot of European basketball and with Lyon to me, she was one of the most fun players in Europe before uh, the season got canceled. I wrote an article about her um, that was really rambling because it was right at the beginning of this whole, of the COVID crisis. So, uh, but I, I really, really love her game this year. She's putting up eight, 8.1 points per game, 4.3 assists, 5.6, uh, 4.3 rebounds, 5.6 assists uh, for one of the better offenses in the league in Indiana, she's not been playing well defensively because no one in Indiana is playing well defensively. That's just kind of been their MO this year. But um, to me, I don't really group her with the other rookies we just talked about because she's 24 years old. Um, and she's, she's just, a, she has, she has a little bit more experience under her belt in Europe. And I think she's, yes, she's a quote unquote rookie. But to me, she's not she, she's not a rookie. This isn't her first year playing professional basketball. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's um, it, it's when Erica Wheeler wasn't going to be available this season. Yes. things changed. Her Julie's role changed very quickly and drastically. So, I think it must have been at least somewhat comforting for the Indiana Fever organization to say, "Hey, we we do have yes, she's a rookie, but." She's a professional basketball. She's a player. She has experience. And so I think that that was – that she was ready. If there was someone that was going to be ready to step mm-hmm. into that role, it certainly was her. And so and, – and I mean, at the end of the day, though, I mean, the WNBA, it's 144 spots, they say. It's the yep. most competitive league to get into, right? And so I I do believe that maybe the the, the standard gets raised a little bit when you, when you get into the W. So, you know, as a player to come in for her first year in this league – She's averaging five, just over five and a half assists at number two overall in the league, right? Yeah. Just behind, well, not just behind, a little bit yeah. of a gap, but number two behind Courtney Vandersloot, uh, you know, averaging over 33 minutes a game. She's on the court all the time. And uh, and so Indiana has competed, right? They have won yeah. some games. And, and so I, I do believe that maybe if they had to rely on another rookie who was coming fresh out of college, uh, I think it may maybe wouldn't be as smooth for, for the fever. Yeah. I, I love Julie. I think she's going to be a good WNBA player. I think she's only going to get better um, as we go forward. And if you will, I, when the off season, we're going to need something to talk about because I'm not sure we're going to get college basketball. So we may be watching a lot more Julie Alaban in Europe and that you think she's fun here. Watch her when she's playing for Lyon, when she's playing for France. Uh, it is unbelievably fun and I, I i suggest that to everyone okay do you want to get into the race for the eight seed or did you want to throw me a curveball i will curveball you one more rookie as okay. and this is where it gets tough right because this is where you could have the argument of like the entire season versus kind of the like 
when and where. Because I think Rufy Herbert's going to be yeah. big time for Chicago. If Chicago, she, this is a player okay. that maybe has taken a couple in, in this long, long season, you know, <laughs> a couple yeah. weeks to, to get, um, to earn maybe a, a bit of the, like, I don't know, I'm not going to say respect, but earn the, the trust of her organization and her teammates and everything. But for root for Chicago with the injuries that they've had now with diamond, uh, Diamond left the bubble. Who else? Well, why is my mind blanking right Azra. now? Yeah. Oh, that, you know, that yeah, little yeah. thing. It's a, the position thing, right? Yeah. Um, Ruthie is going to have to kind of have a monster last month here, for I think, for Chicago to, to, to continue trending up, right? Well, because yeah. they definitely have plateaued. And so just, I wanted to throw that in there because while we don't, we haven't really talked about her a whole lot as is having this great rookie year i think if chicago is going to move forward ruthie's going to have to have a great second half or if you end. will end to the to the, her first her rookie season yeah i agree she put up 12 and 11 against indiana um played really well in the last game i think that will continue i see a lot in her future one of those oregon players who are, are going to come into this league and light it up um and i was concerned you know this is why uh, the coaches and the GMs of this league are much smarter than I am because I said when they, when Chicago drafted Ruthie, I was like, that doesn't really make sense. I mean, I get the future aspect here, but if you're trying to win a championship, maybe you want something else. Guess what? That was a huge, uh, huge pick for them. And she's going to be massive as she's taking over a lot of the slack from those injuries. And I, I'm excited to see how she grows. And, you know, th this is another area where playing with Sabrina helps because you got a player in Courtney Vandersloot who's an even better passer than uh, than Sabrina Nescu is, and she's going to find you, and you got to be ready. Uh, there was a really good article in The Athletic today by Chantel Jennings talking about how players need to be ready on those Courtney Vandersloot passes. Ruthie Hebert's ready with their hands up on those passes. Okay, let's get into now the race for the eight seed. Um, I'm going to lay it out. So Dallas is at 6-10. and 10. They are currently in uh, – in charge of the eight seed, the seven seeds pretty much locked up for Connecticut. They're eight and nine, and they're a very they're a better team than any of the teams we're talking about. No shade to anybody here, but Dallas is at six and ten at the eight seed. Indiana is right behind them at five and twelve. Washington is at four and eleven. The Atlanta Dream are is at four and thirteen, and Atlanta just picked up a big win against Indiana last night. Uh, I know where you stand because I think we've talked about this a few times that you think Dallas was going to snag that eight seed. Um, but this race is going to be very interesting going down the stretch. I want to get your your thoughts on how all of these teams could potentially get in. So Dallas, let's pay attention tonight because mm -hmm. to tonight because Dallas plays the Sparks tonight. I think that's a big game for them. Um, they also have very quickly in the next couple weeks – Minnesota, Seattle, Chicago, Oof. and then Washington and New York. So they do have a tough schedule. If they clinch that eight seed, they most certainly deserve it. Okay. But I do believe, I don't think that Dallas is a team that anybody one through the other 11 in this league look at and say, that's a win. Or that should even, that should be a win because you can look at other teams and say, well, we should win that game. Dallas has got some weapons. And I, mm -hmm. and they, and they also play hard and with fire. And I don't think there's any team that comes into Dallas and says, this is going to be, you know, we can get all 12 in and just kind of coast. Uh, but that being said, Atlanta feels like they have some momentum now. 
Atlanta has New York, Connecticut, Washington, Chicago, and Vegas left. That's good schedule. They, they do believe that those are some winnable games though, right? So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited. But I think in terms for Dallas, tonight's a big one against L.A. They've, they've got to compete tough, and, and now the pressure's on this a little bit more to start winning games. Yeah. I, I, so preseason, I think Atlanta had the most expectation of grabbing that eighth seed. And frankly, it's been a disappointment. You know, we talked about the injury to Kennedy Carter, but Kennedy Carter is a rookie. Like you had a lot and, and Courtney Williams took a while. Like they had a lot of things going on this year, but I'm still a little disappointed with how they played up until now. But you know, they get a good, they get a huge win against Indiana. They're starting to look like the team that we expected them to look like with Benajah Laney playing so well, with Courtney Williams getting in the mix. So I expect Atlanta to push now to get that eight seed because of the schedule and because they're, they're just too good. Like they, They're too good to have four wins this season. They have the most talent, in my opinion, the most ready talent to make the playoffs out of any of these four teams I just mentioned. Sorry to the New York Liberty. You guys are out of it. But all of these four teams I just mentioned, I think they have the most talent. I think they've been – they should be the best team out of this group. However, like you mentioned, no one looks at Dallas and says that's a win, because in part because they're well coached and they have a lot of good players. In part because they probably have the most talented player out of this group of teams here in Enrique Agumboale, who can just say, you know, I'm winning this game tonight. I'm going to win it. There's no, there's, I'm going to put up 30. There's nothing you can do to stop me. And, and I think that, to me is why I'm, w- I'm with you on your season-long uh, crusade <laughs> to say that Dallas is going to make the playoffs because of how good Arike has been this season. So uh, I'm going to rank the teams here in terms of like how who can make the – who has the best chance to make the eight seed. I'm going to put Dallas, Atlanta, Indiana, Washington, just because of Washington's tough schedule and those injuries. Um, I don't believe in Indiana, though. That defense has been bad all year, as I've, as I've bashed them a few times on this podcast. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely going to go – I do believe Dallas-Atlanta. I mean, it could be Atlanta-Dallas. Mm-hmm. The, the one other thing I'll say with Atlanta is they've had the, the experience. Don't forget, Courtney Williams, Williams yeah. and Shakina Strickland were playing in the finals last year. Yeah. Um, and so – in, in, in that terms of like just maturity and veteranship when, okay, we're mm-hmm. getting, it's crunch time here. Um, anything can happen there, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I do believe that Dallas and, and Atlanta, uh, it's going to get pretty fun. Um, I wish I, we had I, a playing game. Funny. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, if we had a playing game. That would be like, oh, man, uh, that'd be awesome. put your popcorn, get your popcorn ready. Um, I, I'm not going to fight you on Indiana and Washington. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it can go either way because I mean Washington's got a tough schedule, but Indiana has Phoenix, Vegas, Minnesota, Connecticut, and New York. That's not easy yeah. either. So uh, I'm that's a toss up. Who's gonna any defend of these, better? Who's gonna defend better teams. game? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> anyone's gonna defend better than Indiana. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Indiana, but really, just like suit up Tamika Catchings here in the next in the last seven games, and I promise you I'll be much nicer because that defense has to get better if Tamika Catchings is actually playing. Um, yeah, I do I think 
I hope they like drop some crazy like press that they just throw on, get a bunch of steals, and they call it the Gabe special. Yes, that would make that would make me very very happy. <laughs> someone someone send this clip to Indiana. They if they they can listen to this and get mad at me and hopefully play some better defense. Um, but I I think all of these teams have a shot. I would not be surprised if any of them made the playoffs. And we're just we're shaping up for an excellent end to the season. Uh, I we will be back here on Monday to talk about some unknown topic because we have to watch the rest of the weekend of the basketball. Um, so we'll be back here on Monday to talk probably about our awards and what's happened in basketball. And then guess what? That's our last show before the playoffs. So um, guys, end of the season's coming. Enjoy it. Love the basketball is happening. Subscribe to this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. Leave us a rating, leave us a review and make sure to follow the show on Twitter at locked on women's Bas- at locked on WBB to stay up with everything we are doing because you need to be ready because the end of the season is coming in a hurry and you are going to want to be informed on everything happening in the WNBA. So thanks for joining us and we will talk to you guys next time.